to this uh, class. <clears throat> I, uh, I guess what kind of got me interested in what we're talking about today is, uh, is uh, when my dad passed away. And uh, I got a cousin that makes, made a comment. He says, you know, as human beings, we got kind of two chances to kind of figure this out sometimes. That's when both of our parents die. And I thought, oh, there's, some, there's some truth to that. There really is. So um, uh, this uh, class, as we put in the flyer, you got, there's a bowl going around here. Make sure you get two pieces of paper out of that thing. Mercy, I should make you get involved. Yeah, come on up here. Well, it's cereal, sugar smacks. This class is, uh, is for people who expect someday they may eventually die. Uh, we need to talk, think about end-of-life decisions before they, they are handed to us and loved ones. And uh, the main, one of the main scriptures we're going to kind of be bouncing off is Matthew 20, 25. Uh, and and we'll, we'll get going on that. So the, the question I guess we kind of want to think about here, does the master require his, glad, his servant Gladys to keep, keep the ventilator on as part of her service to him? And we'll kind of really get into that next week a little bit more in some case studies or some things that actually happen. Hopefully we'll be building a biblical case for the principle that we may decline inefficient or excessive treatment. We will answer some of the common objectives to this principles, hopefully. Um, the, <clears throat> this uh, Bill, uh, Bill Davis is, a, is the uh, guy that uh, wrote this book. He works at, at a church, and one of his main jobs is, is kind of pa he's in pastoral care, but his main job is to visit people in the hospitals. That's what he does. He's not necessarily a chaplain, but that's what he does. And it involves anybody... The one thing that I, I even want people like Mercy to get here and get excited about this, this could happen to anybody. This could happen to your sister. Leukemia, uh, one of the case studies we'll do next week, it's not quite as young as, as, as Mercy or, or uh, Sabrina or something like that, but it could very easily happen to them, is I think it's a guy that's 40-some years old that was out skateboarding. He, do, he does a tournament-wise uh, traumatic head injury. And all of a sudden, here's a wife, three kids, some major decisions have to take place, right? How do we do that and honor God? And you know, some of the decisions that you and me have today, 40 years ago, or our, for sure our grandparents, right? And probably even our parents, did not, would not have had to deal with that stuff. And, and I had a, um, my brother-in-law, is a little bit, a little bit what got started. This. He was in Colby, Kansas. As everybody knows, us rural people tend to flee to the to the cities and leave the country, the big California, right? <clears throat> so he'd have mom and dad in there, a good Mennonite country down there. Mom and dad would be, uh, you know, approaching a hundred or maybe in their upper nineties. Beth, there's a bowl going around that you need to get two pieces of paper from, unless they've already been all handed out. And then you hand off to Henry Marge there as they come in. Um, so they were in the hospital, right? 80, somewhere in there. And, and the kids were out in California, right? Hadn't been home to see mom in a year, maybe two years. You know how you're raising kids? Just life, right? Eric could call. Eric's dealing with them. Mom, usually mom. Mom just wants to leave. She's tired. You know, she's 90 years old. And she just wants to go home. Um, so Eric would call him up. And they'd say, okay. Uh, they're feeling guilty. And they say, you know, whatever it takes. Money's no problem. Whatever mom needs, you do it. Well, that's not what mom wants. Okay. Uh, you know, um, you know, all, all it would take is a staph infection or something like that, and not not gung gung ho on antibiotics, and mom would go. Fairly nice way to go. But the kids are feeling that pressure that they hadn't seen mom 
They got the money. They think, you know, just whatever. So, so these are decisions that we need to think through, right? You need to think through. Have, have uh, the last uh, class we're going to have, we're going to go through the five wishes. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, paper that's been written up on how to fill out to, to fill out in such a way that your loved ones know what you want or what you don't want. And uh, it's, uh, uh, it's highly recommended. It's, uh, it's been on all kinds of, been on Oprah if that means anything to you, but, but uh, it's, it's uh, recognized and put in all the states. It isn't perfect. Every, every individual's got different things. I'm not trying to say so there's a cookie cutter uh, thing for anybody here. Um, in the case of my dad, when my dad passed away, uh, he had a massive heart attack or stroke. That's another thing that's interesting when you find out when that happens. They don't know. You know what they do? The friend home guy told me, he says, Jeff, they go back there and flip a coin. You know, I, I've listened, I used to listen to C, CSI, right? Well, he had a, the right article on his left lung pop and that, you know, all the detail. That's not quite, that's Hollywood, right? They don't always know that stuff. There's a bowl out here with script, scriptures if you're staying, Norma and Mike, that uh, you'll be asked if, uh, to, fit, to read at some point. And so they didn't know that. Well, so when the ambulance got there, we called the sheriff of the ambulance, showed up basically at the same time. We're 15 miles out of town. Dad's in the, in the, in the uh, bedroom. He's dead. Well, Mom, the ambulance got there, and Mom was able to uh, take two pieces, because we got two. And uh, um, they were, Mom was able to produce the uh, uh, living will, and because of that, uh, they said, said if they, mom had not been able to produce that, that they'd have to do CPR all the way into the Ainsworth Hospital for them pronouncing dead. He was dead. Okay. But that's a little thing. That's not that big a thing, but, you know, just saved a lot of hassle, right? So uh, uh, in, um, in the Paul Davis's uh, poor Bill Day, uh, case right here, um, he... Uh, uh, told about his father's death, his brothers and sisters had to deal with. He had a twin brother. And, and uh, there was a decision, how long did they, did they keep dad alive on the, the, the ventilator and not when to resuscitate his heart if he stopped? You know, I didn't know, do you know how much damage it does to the body when they do that, when they put that shocker on, on him, you know, and, and, the, and you know, the CPR on that? You got, they break ribs doing that. I mean, you you have to be. It's not easy to do that. I mean, they to keep to resuscitate somebody. They really have to get down there and mean. And it's not unusual to break ribs when they're resuscitating people like that. So, uh, because he had his had uh, his uh, end of life things taken care of, it freed the it freed the kids up to be able to know what he wanted. And that and that's important. And he and so the pressure wasn't on the kids to decide. Daddy decided what to happen. And uh, it it became clear dad was, you know, some of the things you gotta think about. It became clear that dad was not gonna get any better. Paul uh, says uh, he's not gonna be able to leave the hospital. And the decision to remove the oxygen mask was not hard. The final decision was difficult because because his dad had left crucial instructions. And, and that's another thing we'll kind of talk about. Written instructions for the doctors and for everybody involved are golden. That really helps out. So you can say, this is what dad wanted. This is what mom wanted. Or this, this is what, you know, in the case of a small child, you know, that's mom and dad. You know, you, you, you know those are tough decisions. But if you kind of thought this stuff through, it's okay. It's really hard to be in the moment, right, and make that decision. It's not as hard as you thought it through. We had a good friend, lung cancer. She made the decision. I don't know when. Well, she went in for chemo. They said, "We'll get. We can give you six extra months if you go to chemo." We think. She went in, did chemo one time, and decided, you know, six months. How how old was? Uh, suddenly, my brain just went. Doris. She was in her seventies. She said, you know, I just don't I just don't know whether it's worth me getting an extra six months. 
And the only thing the chemo did to her, it killed her, uh, her uh, saliva glands. So the rest, the rest that she did spend here on Earth, she had to constantly be sucking on ice because it, it killed them. But you know what? Uh, it was a good thing. She uh, got herself straightened up. I'm starting to get like Stan Gurney. Good grief. <laughs> um, so she was able to get things straightened up with her kids, and it really helped out that last six months. So she was thinking clearly, you know. And uh, uh, that, 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 that's some real life examples that I know of. And, and the, the author talks about that, that, you know, if you had those things think through ahead of time, it makes it a lot easier. Not yeah, it's not as difficult, or at least you're thinking rationally. Does that make sense? Um, and, and point out, even the gains from medicines are meager. Uh, uh, believers, or all of us, I should say, but believers find it hard to resist the conclusion that, that we must seize on every medical treatment that God requires or that's available to us. It's really tempting. Throughout the book, one thing he does a little bit, and, and if you, you know, and, and this book is written to help all of us, like Chris is, or, or if you're on the board or whatever it is, you're a deacon, you know, the pastor may call you in, you know, you need to go visit Bob. You, you know, uh, you know, him and his wife are really struggling. Bob probably not going to make out of the hospital. You know, how do you go in there and how do you talk to him and how do you reassure him and what do you say? And uh, um, he says it's very important when you're talking to him, uh, use the word patient when you're talking to doctors and other people instead of the sick person. Because if, if you use, if you talk to a sick person instead of a, a patient, encourages, to, if you talk to him as a patient, encourages us to think about him as a real person, not just, a, you know, the doctors and nurses, sometimes they get pretty hard, which you can't always blame them. Uh, <clears throat> Want to get started? I don't know. Hopefully, we got it. I need the people that's got Proverbs six, uh, Matthew six, and Timothy five, and Deuteronomy twenty-five. Does anybody have those? If you don't, then I'll tell you which ones to look at. Proverbs six. Proverbs six. Can you look that up and read that to us? Yeah, six through eleven. Yes, yeah, six through eleven. Proverbs six, six through eleven. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an, like an armed man. All right, that, that's referring to, we're kind of thinking, it tells us to what? Work hard and to plan, right? So that's kind of what we're doing here. Does anybody have Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34? Made my idea of the uh, handing out pieces of paper didn't do me any good. But if nobody has that, if they could look that up, that'd be wonderful. It was the plan, right? Kind of like my... I should write that down, should I? Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Telling us what? Not worry, right? 
Okay, somebody want to read uh, Timothy uh, chapter 5, verses 17 through 18? Is that 1 Timothy? 1 Timothy, right? Yeah. Must be, must be. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Go ahead. The older should direct the affairs of the church All right. Somebody got that comes from Deuteronomy. Somebody got that? Chapter 25, verse 4. You shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. All right. So the importance of planting and taking care of the needy and taking care of people, right? And especially the, those ones are talking there. And Timothy's talking about uh, um, uh, the people in, in ministry to us. And uh, so that's kind of what that's at. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 46. I don't think we'll take time to read it because got a lot of territory to go through. But, but the... A 14 through 30 talk about the joy of hearing hearing well well done you good and say faithful servant right remember it's giving out of the talents and 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 he said okay now you guys need to plan ahead and then he kind of really ripped on those that didn't do that right mercy <laughs> oh I'm, I'm, I'm keeping you awake um um the, and that's what that and then 31 through 46 tells about the whore of departing departing from me you curse it so one thing that uh, I think that he does a good job of pointing out when we're dealing with the end of life things there's something more important to life than, than physical death what is that it's not a hard question <laughs> but think about it there's something worse than physical death. Spiritual death. Right. Spiritual death. Right. We'll get in here a little bit and we'll talk about Moses, which is kind of a cool thing. Ultimately, the importance of living is to fulfill the task that God has given us, seeking to please our Heavenly Father or Master rather than earthly fads and fashions. And Matthew, uh, Matthew 24 and 25 tell about the importance of being ready for Christ's return. And that's kind of what we need to do. Okay, in Genesis 1, does somebody have that? Genesis 1, 28. God gave Adam and Eve a task to do three things. Multiply, steward, and honor. The first task was to do what? And as far as I'm concerned, they, it has never rescinded that. Multiply. And I think what is one of the first things the liberal or Satan has attacked, and we see it really evident in our life today. What have they done? Family. What's that? Family. Well, yeah, but, but in relation to what I just said, they had a guy on 60 Minutes that talked about this. He's been debunked about everything he's ever written. But they still brought him on 40 years after I think he wrote the book. Population ball. So family, you're right, but procreation, right? It's an absolute, okay, it's an absolute myth that this, this, this world couldn't sustain all the people we want to produce. But if you look at all the stuff where they're, now granted there is quote a little bit of family, but most of the time if you study that, Africa and the famine. You go, there's famine there. Why are the famines there? You know? Warlords. Well, yeah, because of, of civil war and stuff, right? It's pretty hard to grow a crop as soon as you get a plant and somebody comes through and wipes that, right? You know, blessed we're in America not to have that. So, not only the reason we're the breadbasket of the world is for what, how long has it been? For a long time, well, for 200 years, our farmers have been able to grow that crop, improve that every year. Do you realize how good our corn is compared to what it was even 30 years ago, let alone 100 years ago? It's insane. And I'm not talking all this new bio stuff. I'm just talking them being able to produce. This grain right, this, this particular kernel right here was able to produce 
uh, uh, corn in, in, with, with, with minimal water. That's incredible. This, we got a uh, disease going through. Well, this particular corn or wheat is resistant to, to a disease. Do you know why we, we're, we grow all the wheat down in Kansas and Minnesota? Does anybody know why? why? Why is that so important? And Russia screwed themselves. They had the Mennonites there. The Mennonites. They said, they said, they, they, the, the Russia said, come to Persia, uh, not Persia, Prussia. She said, you come here, we're going to give you this old crappy land. And they said, we'll come, but we don't want, we, we don't want left alone. We don't want to serve any of your stupid wars. They said, no problem. Cod picking Mennonites came there about a hundred years later. That land was incredible. And they seen those farm boys and they said, what? My gosh, we need you guys to come fight for us. You guys are strong and mean. Well, not mean, but you know. And so the uh, Mennonites said, you know, we're out of here. And where they come? Kansas, Missouri, Iowa. And they brought what? Their wheat. Right? My point is trying to prove that it, this, this population myth is a, it's a myth, right? And so in again, the second th thing was, and we're kind of, that's kind of what we're talking about is what? Steward, right? We're supposed to steward. God told Adam to take, do what in the garden? Take care of it, right? What's that? Manage. Manage it, right. Right, so this is the wheat we're going to grow, this is the wheat we're not going to grow. The third task was to show honor, to treat all that God values with respect and reverence. Somebody want to read Genesis uh, uh, 128, whoever has that? Mercy? <laughs> Somebody have it? And God blessed them, and God said to them, All right, thank you. Mercy, she bailed you out again. Tell your mom thank you after Sunday school class. She'll learn not to sit back there when I'm teaching. Uh, Matthew, okay, well, I want to list out some verses for us to look up if you got them. I want somebody to do, if you have it, fine. If you don't, then, okay. Well, maybe they'll hold up your hand. Matthew 25, verses 34 and 40. Somebody have that? Uh, Luke 7, 21, 23. Isaiah 58, 6 through 10. Jeremiah 5, 27 through 28. And Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10. All right. So would somebody read Matthew 25? Matthew uh, 34. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, and here the kingdom prepared for you, from the foundation of the world. For I was uh, hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came under me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hundred, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when we saw thee sick and in prison, we came unto them. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch that you have done unto one of the least of those, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Okay. God commanded his people to give to the least of them, right? Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. All right, Isaiah 58, 6 through 10. Lynn. Um, 
Is this not the fact past that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you will cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. All right. Uh, we're supposed to set free the... The oppressed give food to the hungry and clothing to the needy. Jeremiah 5, 27 through 28. Who has that? Like a cage full of birds, their houses are full of deceit. Therefore they have become great and rich. They have grown fat and sleek. They know no bounds in deeds of evil. They judge not with justice the cause of the fatherless to, pro to make it prosper. And they do not defend the rights of the needy. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord? And shall I not have, shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? Okay. What what was God what is what really gets God fired up in this verse? What are they not doing? Taking care of the needy. Taking care of the needy. Nineveh, right? That was what that was God's biggest thing against Nineveh. He says they're oppressing the needy and the weak and the art stand up for righteous. And you know, I think about our society today, this little sidebar, and I'll move on quickly. Our justice system is a joke, isn't it? If you have money and you're the right you got the right name, you can do almost anything you want to do. That is going to hack God off. God is a just God. Okay? And sometimes you go, some of the terrible things happen in other countries that got dictatorships, that kind of stuff. But if the justice is fair, I'm just saying. Okay. Isaiah. Isaiah. Ezekiel. I hope I said that right. My dyslexia kick in. 34, 1 through 10. Somebody have that? Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves, and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, and they may not be food for them. All right. Jeff, what was that reference again? That was Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10. 34, 34. 34. 34. Did I say that wrong? 34. 34, 1 through 10. Thank you. If I screwed up. Uh, this is pretty tough on me because I got a lot of numbers. You know, I always want to be a parts man, and then I thought it through. I, I know what, I just glorified parts man, and then I thought through I can't even keep two numbers. It's, it's a bad, it's a sad thing. It's really sad. Uh, here again, God is really tough on the leaders, right? He says the leaders aren't, 
teaching the people right. You're not, he, he says, you're not helping the street strength. You're not binding up the injured. And, you're, and the people that are wandering away, you're not going out there and rescuing them. God was all about that. So, so the idea here is, uh, is that we need to be, uh, we need to understand what God requires of us as people, as, as godly people. Again, to point out in, Ma in Matthew 25, there is a faith worse than death, physical death, that is. Every decision near the end of life, as with every other decision of any kind, we must be faithful to our master, to our God, for our first concern. In other words, we need to bounce it up with the Lord, what the Lord says. You know, now let's say, let's say uh, Kayla, the end of her life, and she's estranged to one of her kids for whatever reason it is. And they come to her and they say, we can give you another month. Her prayer is, I want to bring this kid back to the fold. That may be a reason. That she hangs on for the other month. Just saying. But if everything's cool, everything's going, we're, you, you take this drug, we're going to give you another month. Well, I don't know. She has ever, she has ever right to turn that down. She has ever right to take it. But she has no obligation to save that, to, to allow her another month of physical life. Does that make sense? Whenever that is. Whenever that is. Okay, as uh, I'll kind of say it again. As, as the image bearers, we each have the authority to make choices necessary to steward our talents and opportunities. This principle is foundation because it sets the limits on the choices we're authorized to make. We are not authorized to make choices that are contrary to God's revealed will. We are stewards of the life He has given us. And we're not stewards of other people's lives. <laughs> Okay, you know, it's just not right to go in there and say, Jason, you know, if you'd been praying more, you wouldn't be in this mess. Is that Ray helpful as he's sitting there on, quote, on deathbed or a serious thing? But how many times, I've heard about people that do that to other people. It's like, what a terrible thing to say. You don't know. I mean, that's a little bit like Job's friends, right? They had no idea what was going on. And neither did Job, right? Uh, somebody want to turn to uh, uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, if you have that, and read that. Go ahead. Four ten. Okay. Well, the, the idea of it is, Paul had written instructions, right? He says, if if my if if he comes to you, then you need to greet him, pointing out the fact that we have all the authority to look ahead as Christians and anticipate what could be happening. And like I said, especially in medical things, written stuff are golden. Okay. Here, you're in the hospital and you're talking to the nurses for whatever reason you got to... Well, let's go with the... Uh, usually this is the case uh, for elderly more than, say, a young kid that's killed, or, you know, hit in a bike accident or something. You walk up to them and, and they, you go to the doctor's nurse's dad does not want to be resuscitated if he's, he goes into cardiac arrest. He just wants... That's it. And they, 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 they got to honor that. If you go, it really makes it hard, hard for them to argue that when, uh, when uh, 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 you have that ring. Bethany's dad, Parkinson's really bad. And, and he, was, he just wanted to go home. He could, he could hardly feed himself. It was bad. He got a staph infection. And it was clearly, I don't, it was what, well, Kay and Eric, uh, uh, Eric's a doctor, Kay's a nurse. And I think they had written instructions not to give him uh, um, any, any uh, antibiotic. That seems awful cruel, doesn't it? 
And uh, they did. And he recovered. Lived another, what, year and a half? Two years? Another five years? Oh, my gosh. Another five years life. Okay. <laughs> Kay, Kay and Eric were living. Kay and Eric were living. They said, Dad, Dad did not want that medicine. That was within his right to say that. Because what, what was not going to happen to Bethany's dad? Was he ever going to leave that rest home? No. Was he going to get any better? Quote, better. No. He's not going to. Matter of fact, as far as physically and everything else, he kept on deteriorating. And anything he knows about, two things going on. Parkinson's, you got these hallucinations that drive you crazy. And the drugs you take do what? They give you more hallucinations. So it's a. <coughs> I was there, I heard Bethany's dad says, every time. <laughs> you know, he said going on, he asked. He's got to ask. He says, did this really happen? Because he couldn't, he couldn't, there toward the end, he couldn't tell what was real and what, what he had visions or dreamed of, right? So that's, that's a part of it. Okay, somebody got Genesis 50, verse 25. And I need Genesis uh, 13, 19 to be read right after that. Somebody's got that. Or did I say? Exodus. 13, 19. Exodus. I'll give it to right, Go ahead, Bethany. <coughs> and Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. Okay, Exodus. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Okay, Joseph planned ahead, right? He told him, if this is where I want to be buried, please take care of it. And Moses honored that, didn't he? God encouraged us to take steps to remove unnecessary distress for the ones we love and ought to honor. Legal executive advance directive diminish the burdens of fear and indecisiveness for those who we have to make medical decisions for us if we cannot make them ourselves. Now, uh, one thing they point out, and we'll go over that on the third week, uh, you know, the, the, we'll go through a little bit of how to maybe fill in, and, and each person could, will kind of fill that in a little bit if you want to, or you can take it home and think about it. But, but one thing that kind of encourages you, when you, when, you're, when, you're, when you give this or you put somebody, this is a person in charge of my medical decisions, very important to have someone you know that, number one, knows what you want, and are, is going to be willing to do that. Okay? If you got five kids, which I do, you know certain kids can make decisions and certain kids can. God love them, right? <laughs> and, and so if you make that decision, or say your wife or husband, you know, that, they can't make that decision. Well, get someone that can. Does that make sense? To follow your wishes out. You know, you know, you know I, I can see very carefully a husband saying, or a wife saying, I, I just can't do it. You know, I know she said not to give her any antibiotic, but if that's going to keep her alive, we got to do it. Well, if you can't make that decision, get someone you know that's able to follow your instructions at the end of life. Um, 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 <laughs> Yes. Sunday night help here is writing it down, having specific um, written instructions. The example he gave with my dad, the instructions were not specific. Okay. So Kay and Eric were the power of attorney for help for my dad, but they were unreachable at the time dad went to the hospital. A little bit more information that he Dad was not in the, he was not in the nursing home. He was still living at home at the time that he got the um, infection. And it was a fairly easy infection to control. So it was, okay, this is just a run-of-the-mill infection. Let's get him to the hospital and let's, let's give him some antibiotics and take care of this. But because of his Parkinson's, he wasn't able to recover enough to come back home, he had to go into the um, nursing home after that. 
and then he lived another five years. But he lived five years in a nursing home, which he didn't want to do. So if the instructions had been specific, then it would have been infection would have taken its course. But for my mother and for the rest of us kids, the idea of just not even getting any antibiotics was absurd. Well, the he point had, he had a do not resuscitate, which made sense to us. But no antibiotics, that was that just seemed absurd to the rest of us. We didn't know about that until right. after it was done. Right. One thing it talks about, and I'm sorry, I, this week I'm trying to rush stuff through and I apologize, uh, and I'm, thank you for sharing that, and I don't mind people sharing that, is I want to put out uh, the fact that uh, uh, one of the things it talks about the three wishes, you, need, you, you ought to if you had three people listed, the doctor to contact. Number one, can't get them. Number two, can't get them. Number three, hopefully one out of three you can contact. You know what I'm saying? And give copies of what it is to everybody you got going so they know, <laughs> you know, what they what they need to happen there. Um, when doctors and nurses judge someone in their care cannot do these things, make that judgment, they're eager to have the decisions made by someone who can speak for that person. They they real even unsaved doctors and nurses, they want it's not like they're going to go, okay, okay, Bob, I'm not listening to you. No, they're eager. <laughs> if you're the person there, say, okay, here, here, here's the plan. Okay. And that, we're <coughs> going to that. God authorizes the spouses to speak for each other. Our families have the biblical authorities to say what we choose. This comes from the authoritarian structure implied in the fifth commandment. Somebody want to look up... Uh, Oh, my gosh. Um, also, I lost my notes here. Well, the New Testament talks about uh, uh, the, the fifth commandment it, it, within that line. Um, uh, in Genesis uh, chapter uh, 2, verses 24, and in, in, in uh, Matthew... Uh, not 19, it talks about the husband and wife become one flesh. Ephesians, that's what I want us to look up. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Would somebody read that? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment of the promise. That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, it's talking about our responsibility as family members, right? Chris, you want to jump back? Maybe somebody's got Ephesians uh, 5, 25 through 33. Someone have that? Or Chris, you want to just back up and get that? Sure. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might represent, or that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Is it to thirty-three? Yes, to thirty-three. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right. This is a mystery, but it has responsibilities, right? Now, would you do that to your own flesh? <laughs> Chris over here punching his wife. Yeah, we do that. Us guys do that to ourselves. So we do love you. <laughs> the word of God permits us in some cases, and this is the part I really want us to get, a, that I really want to push. In some cases, it's right to say no to life sustaining medical treatment. The Bible teaches we must accept 
medical treatment that is likely to cure some of our diseases. As Christ's servants, we are called to maintain our health so we can serve Him well. That's another thing. Biblical thing. We are called to serve Him, right? If what we're going to go through at the end when it's all done, we're not going to be able to serve Him, then probably that's not the, the health care decision we need to make. But if we're still able to serve Him, then yes. Eric Cantata, right? Everybody know, know who she is? Okay, being in a wheelchair seems pretty hard to serve him, doesn't it? It does. But yet, she's, we can serve him. That's my point. We've got to be able to think, think it through. Can I still serve him? If I got diabetes and I lose my use of my leg can I, or my foot, right? Can I still serve him? Absolutely. Right? It seems like a lot of it has to do with pain and misery, right? You go because if you have somebody who maybe they're mentally challenged or they're disabled, of course, if they're not going through pain or misery constantly, <laughs> then they're able to serve the Lord and and spreading whatever. You know, it's right. complicated, right? Right. It is. But I feel like you're talking about people who are in misery, like constant misery, like the hallucinations or just never ending pain and it's near the end. And right. Yeah, but even with Eric and Cotta, she's in pain daily, sure. able to serve, okay? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I, and there again, I'm not trying to say every decision is right. The decision I make might not be the decision Chris makes. Yeah. You know, he may say, no, Dad's, Dad can get cured by me simply giving him antibiotic. I want to do it. Because I know that's what my dad would want. But if his dad had made clear, uh, clear written out things that I, you know, I've got whatever it is. I've got lung cancer, whatever it is. And if it's, if it's an infection, I want to go that way. No, no antibiotic. That takes a lot of pressure off of Chris, right? And that's well within his dad's right to make that decision. Go ahead. Yeah, I always think, you know, it's interesting. What you're saying, I mean, this is this is great if a person thinks through that and they make those decisions. But like you said, some people are horrible at making decisions. They don't like to make decisions. <laughs> then they, they're kicking it to their kids, right? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to get <laughs> what you're going to get. Um, we're finite. I mean, you know, Bethany talked about, hey, we didn't know. And so you just have to make the decision that based upon what's before you. Absolutely. Ask of wisdom. You know, the Lord knows all things, and, and it is going to be unique to every situation. The reason you're in this class, you can no longer say, I didn't know, I should have. For your kids, you need to be prepared. That's what I'm trying to get across. It's not necessarily for you. It's for your loved ones. Okay? Do you really want their loved ones to maybe be making them kind of decisions? I'm saying you shouldn't. And if, there's, and if you have several children, they will argue Absolutely. Right here. Bill Davis. He had, they had the clear, each one of these kids had a clear idea what his dad needed. So Bill was in charge and, and, and said, okay, kid, okay, brother and sister, this is what dad wanted. Pretty tough for them to argue. They still could have, yes. They can blame dad after he's dead, but they can't blame each other. Right, they can't blame Bill. Oh, wow. Yes. Good point. Um, <clears throat> here, well, there, my gosh, I knew this was going to be the case, but. You think that, I mean, so, I mean, these are making those decisions, <laughs> but, you know, my dad is the youngest of five, and after his parents both passed within a week, there was still a brother that was very upset with how the, the clear directives and the will. So, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting, you know, that, yes, they can rage against whoever and take right. it out on the wrong people. Yep, you know? you're right. Yeah. Yep, yeah. But but you still make plans, right? You still need to make plans. That, that That's my only point. And if you got that plan right now, it, 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 the tendency is going, the more times than not, that's going to settle things down. But you're right. There's exception to every rule. Everything you could. To right. Do that, right. I mean, some people are in the situation Jan's talking about. 
someone had an old axe to grind anyway. <laughs> You're never going to over Right. John chapter 5 verses 2 through 9. Someone want to read that one? Five, chapter 5, verses 2 through 9. Okay. Uh, now there is in Jerusalem a sheep gate, a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five root colonnades, and these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said, All right, here's a case where uh, uh, he didn't have any friends to help him, right? He said, the importance of having friends. <clears throat> Numbers 35 says, those who intentionally takes a person's life deserves to die. Because sometimes we get into that whole suicide thing. Okay, this is the part I thought was cool. I was talking to the guys at uh, Tuesday on this. Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 34, verse 7. Someone read that and see what that says. This is kind of incredible. Verse 7. What did it say there? Did you catch that? His eyes was good and his vigor was not done. Gone. He was a healthy dude. And God called him home, didn't he? So, I guess just pointing out, uh, you know, there's, there's something, you know, sometimes it's not all about physical life, right? Physical or physical health. Yes. Um, spiritual life is more valuable than, than a long physical life. The word life appears over 400 times in the scripture. The main majority of that refers to spiritual. We talk about Genesis 2, 3, chapter 2 and 3, the tree of life. Uh, Revelations 20 through 22, it's a symbol of the fulfillment of the king's of every king of life, physical, spiritual, individual, and communal. But if we are forced to choose between our spiritual life and our physical life, that God calls us to value spiritual life more. Uh, <clears throat> talking about different people that chose spiritual life. Somebody, somebody turned to, to John chapter 15, verse 13. Christ said that he was going to lay down his physical life for us. Acts. Uh, we won't read it, but Acts uh, uh, chapter 6 starting in 8 going through 760 talks about Stephen. And what did, what, what did he do? He gave up his life, didn't he? In uh, uh, Philippians, Paul talks about uh, in uh, chap chapter 1, verses 8 through 23, Paul says, To live is Christ, to die is what? Gain. Gain. Uh, and of course, in the Old Testament, the famous, uh, in uh, easy, uh, So you want to read that one? What's that one, Paul? You got that? You got it? Yeah. Go ahead. God can testify how long. For all of you with affection 
of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer, that your love may be around more and more in knowledge and depth and insight, so that you may be able to discern what is the best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, fulfilled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me was really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it was because became, became clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach God out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, and the former preach Christ not out of not out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in change. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I am to go on living in the body. This will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to part and be with Christ, which is better by far but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with you, with all of you, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, you, your joy in Jesus Christ will overflow on account of me. All right. What was that section? Well, that was read. That is, uh, that is Philippians chapter 1, verses 8 through 23. Thank you. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. We won't, won't read it, but it says there is a time for everything, including a time to what? Die. Doctors and nurses today will tolerate including spiritual implications in discussion about medical treatment. But most doctors and nurses will be uncomfortable with allowing spiritual considerations to be decisive. In other words, you come in there and, and uh, Bethy's laying there. She's, for whatever reason, you know, got on a ventilator, you know, and the doctors are saying she's got two days to live. And I'm going, God can do a miracle. Well, she, well, I'm trying, I was trying to think of She's got colon cancer. Stage 500. <laughs> okay. She ain't coming back. <laughs> okay. Can God do a miracle? Yes. Absolutely he can. But what are the chances of him, of him pulling this one off? Slim, right? And Slim walked out the door. 
So when you're dealing with the doctors, I'm not saying we shouldn't be praying, but when, when you're talking to doctors and nurses in the hospital, it's pretty hard for them to, uh, to accept that kind of talk, right? Too often, and this is what I think happens to many of us, religious language is often used to avoid dealing with the approaching death. Because we just can't accept it. You know, we're praying for America. Can you give us more time? In my opinion, that is not a justification to keep mom or dad or a child or something on the, a ventilator for the next 20 days or 30 days. Okay? But I said in my opinion. Okay? So that's where you got to do medical things and be wise about what you're doing. Now, spiritual, uh, physical, I should say, sickness and injury can be used by the Holy Spirit to draw us close to Christ, right? Uh, we talked about, you know, Paul talks about he's thorn in the flesh. We have no idea. I know I laugh. I read one where, where an Irish uh, commentator said it was his wife. That was a, oh, I can't remember whether it was his wife or mother-in-law was his thorn in the flesh. But, but we, I don't know what that's true or not. Uh, please remove my mother-in-law from this world, Lord. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Life cannot go on. God says, no, she's staying around. <laughs> she's going to keep you humble, buddy. <gasps> um, well, um, I do this app where basically ran out of time. You know, one, one thing it gets into, uh, you know, I guess I want to make it a thing. Declining treatment is not a form of suicide. Especially if you've done all your ducks in a row. It's not. And so, uh, uh, and they went into that. Well, one of the people, uh, okay. Can we name some people that prayed, Lord, take my life? Name one. Uh, my mother in law said, pray for healing, pray for healing. And when she got so uncomfortable, she said, pray that I go home. Okay, let me rephrase that. In the Bible. In the Bible, yes, in the Bible, they said, "Take me home." Samson. Well, yes, and God did what? He took him home. Okay, name someone else. <laughs> Stephen. Stephen, I'm trying. I'm going for the opposite. You guys are coming. Jonah. What did he pray? What did he pray? Take me. Take me. And God did what? Did did he? He did not. In numbers, Numbers 11, Moses prayed, take me home. God didn't. Elijah, 1 Kings 19, take me home. I'm not worth, it's not worth living. That wicked woman's after me and it's not my mother-in-law. Take me home. Acts 19, do you know who prayed, take me home in Acts 16? You Bible scholars? This is crazy. This is what this is plain trivia. Do you know who it was? The flipping jailer. Said, Lord, everybody's escaped. Take me home. And God did what? Saved him and his whole family, it says, right? So there's times, you guys kind of point out that, well, I don't know whether uh, Stephen said, take me home. Stephen was willing as a martyr to say, okay, here it is. I think if you'd ask Stephen right in the middle of it, if you could stop, Steve, do you, do you really want to die? I think he'd have said what? I think he'd have said no. But he's prepared to, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, next week, we're going to hopefully get a little bit more interreaction. I thank you for coming. I, I did... I, there's a lot of stuff in here that I really skipped over to really kind of get my case together. But the, what I'm trying to get is you, you have the freedom, you have the right, make sure you know what, what think it through now when you're, when you're able to think it through.